if you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible on your phone, go to Luke 15. And uh, when we were singing, you know, your love never fails, and we're talking about um, on the cross how Jesus showed his love for us. And, um, you know, when, whenever you think about those things, it's hard to not stop and then just sit and, and, and talk about and think about just how loved you really are. Um, sometimes it's really hard for us to understand that because for, for, for many reasons, you know, a lot of times people, when they think about God, they, they, they have this vision in their head about this, you know, old guy in the sky with lightning bolts, and they think of this Old Testament mean God that just sins and, and destroys people and all this stuff. And that's really not, that's not the God of the Bible at all. If, 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 we, if we actually stopped <clears throat> and, and studied um, all those things in the Old Testament and how it points to the New Testament and how it all wraps together, it's God's redemptive story. God redeeming his people. God bringing us back into relationship with him. And that, to me, is a God of love. That's not a God of of, of being a big meanie and being against everything. Because even if you think about in the Old Testament, if you think about the book of Genesis, when they're in the Garden of Eden, he only gave them one thou shalt not. Only one. Everything else was have fun, do it. Like, you're married, have fun being married. And all that goes along with that, right? You know what I'm talking about? I hope you do. Um, you know, go and he gave them jobs to do. Go and, and till the ground, make it... You know, Go and, and, and be over the animals. Go and name all the animals. Here, here's a, a, a job to do, a woman to love, and, and, and you have a perfect relationship with me. All I ask you to do, one thing, don't eat of that tree. The one thing. All the other trees with all the other fruit. He, he, you can look at it. You can sniff it. Heck, you can even lick it. Just don't eat it. That's, I mean, li literally, don't eat it. But they did, Right? And so that one thou shalt not turned into several. Why? Because sin. <laughs> because of sin. And, um, and so I immediately started thinking about his love and how much he loves us. And I started thinking about in VBS, one night during VBS, uh, Ronnie taught Luke 15. And he talked about each parable. And the first parable is the one of the lost sheep, right? He, he left the 99 for the one. Um, the, the second one was about the lost coin, that she, you know, the, the person lost the coin, so she looked everywhere for it. She turned everything upside down, and when she found it, she had a party. Let's celebrate. I found my coin. And then it gets to this, the story, and, and everyone's Bible has it labeled as the parable of the prodigal son. Um, that, that's not, Jesus didn't say, okay, now this is the story of the prodigal son. So that's not like the title that Jesus gave it. It's just the title that we give it. Because um, really, I think it should be called the story of the loving father. Because when you, when you break it down and when you look at this, this parable, um, there's a lot of things that we miss. And the reason why we miss them is because we think it's all about the son, and it's not. And we also, we've heard it so many times, and we've seen the Veggie Tales, and we've seen the really bad movies. And, and so we get this vision of what the story is about, and we miss so much because of what other people have told us it should say. Right. So 
this story, this parable that Jesus tells is so much more about how loving the father is and not and less about the son because there's two sons. So many times when you hear this story, all you hear about is the one son who goes out and spends all the money. But you don't hear about the son that stays behind and is kind of a jerk. All right. And so we're going to look at both of those tonight. The, uh, par- the parable starts this way. And Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son, one, the younger of them said to him, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So when he's talking about the share of property that's coming to me, he's talking about um, the, well, basically what's in the will. You know, like whatever you wrote in the will and, and my share of that, I want you to go ahead and give me that. So he's essentially saying, you know what, Dad? You're dead to me. You're dead to me. I don't need you to tell me how to run my life. In fact, I know better than you. So go ahead and give me what's due to me, and I'll go live my life that way. You're dead to me. I don't need you in my life. And so the father divides up the property. He says, uh, and he divided up his property between them. Now, in those times when you had an older brother and a younger brother, the older got more of the, the pot. So when you have two kids like this, you divide it up into three sections, and the older gets two and the younger gets the one. That's just the way it was back then. So he got his property, and it says not many days later, which means he hung out for a few days. <laughs> so can you just imagine the hurt that his dad's feeling during this time period and how angry the other brother probably is, right? And so after a few days, uh, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and he squandered his property in reckless living. So a lot of times that, you know, they say in, in prodigal living or whatever the case is. So basically he lived a lavish lifestyle. He took everything that he had and he did what he thought was best. He took his, his gift. He took his property. He took what he was blessed with. And he just said, you know what? I know better than dad. I, I, I know what to do with this. And I'm going to do this to make me feel good. Why? It's all about me. It's all about making me feel good. So if I want it, I'm going to take it. If I want it, I'm going to buy it. If I want to drink that, I'm going to drink it. If I want to smoke it, I'm going to smoke it. If I want to sniff it, I'm going to sniff it. He did all everything that he wanted to do. It says that he squandered all that he had. He wasted it on things that did not fulfill him. Why do I say they didn't fulfill him? Because he wasted it all. You don't squander and waste things on things that are fulfilling. You're typically building something up because of that. You're typically making smart and wise choices, and you're you're setting yourself up for success in the future. He just said, whatever feels good, I'm going to do it. And when he went to his dad and said, you know what? Give me what's mine. What is that called? That's entitlement. I am do that. You owe it to me. And so he had this mentality of everybody owes me everything. So he just goes and just spends it all because, hey, well, my daddy was a a, he just gave me everything. So, you know, maybe if I'm making enough friends, they'll give it to me. Or, you know what, the government, the government should give me everything I want. Whatever case is, that entitled feeling, it makes him just I'm going to spend everything because who cares? It's not mine. 
But he spent everything. And when he did that, he didn't plan on this happening. A severe famine came in the country that he was in, and he began to be in need. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Everything's gone. You've already told dad he's dead to you. Your source of income is gone. Your friends are gone. Even if they wanted to help you, they can't because they're in the famine too. It affects everybody. So what does he do? He went out and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country so he could be in the fields to feed pigs. So first of all, that's a big no-no for the Jewish people, right? Because pigs were unclean. They were not allowed to touch pigs. They weren't allowed to be around them. And I praise God for salvation because that means we get to eat bacon. And if that's not enough to follow Jesus, then I don't know what is. I'm just kidding. Um, but to them, pigs were unclean. You, you, didn't, you didn't get near them. You didn't touch them. You didn't feed them. You didn't eat them. What a horrible life that could have been. And he says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one, no one gave him anything. So a lot of times when you see the, the adaptations of this, like it's acted out like in a, in a cartoon or a movie or something, it always shows the kid like in the pig food. And then he's like, he has the food up to his mouth and he's like, oh, what am I doing? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he wanted it. It looked good to him. He wanted to eat it, but they wouldn't even give him, they wouldn't even give it to him. The guy who hired him was like, no, no, that's not for you. That's for the pigs. Don't you eat that food. He couldn't even get pig slop. That's how bad of a situation he was in. And you know what? It took him to get in that situation. All those things happened where God ordained so that he would get, in, he would become, he would get out of that entitled state of mind and be humbled. He was longing, but no one gave him anything. And it says, but he came to himself, or he came to his senses, and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So what's happening here is that he had to go through a trial to make him realize he needed his father. Did y'all catch that? See, we've been talking about James. We, we've, had, we've, we've gone through James. We've had two studies of James. And the second time we went through James, we talked about trials and how trials produce maturity and how that we should be thankful through trials because it's through those that we get closer to God and we become mature and we learn how to endure certain things. And he is going through this trial Praise God to make him realize he needs his father. He can't live without him. He, he needs him. He says, he says I, I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. To, to the Jewish people, to the Jewish people, they, they, they didn't say the name God. Like it was just, there was way too much reverence for it. So a lot of times when they referred to God, they, were, they said the heavens. So he's essentially saying, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. What is he doing? He's acknowledging his sin. He acknowledged it. I've sinned. I'm acknowledging my sin. Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He said, listen, dad, 
or he's thinking to himself, he's going to go to his dad and just say, Dad, uh, I admit that I've sinned and I come humbly before you. Please just, just let me back in your house. I, 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 don't, I don't have to be your son anymore, but, but please just let me back in your house. Let me just be one of your servants. Just, just, to, just I need you. And I know I've messed up our relationship. I know that I've severed that. I know that you're dead to me. When I, when I said those words, it, it probably destroyed you. And I'm really sorry, Dad. Can you please, can I just be a servant? Please just let me back in your presence. Verse 20 says, and he arose and he came to his father. So that means he started to go in a different direction. He was going this way. He was following the path. He was going after what he thought was right. He was going after that lavish lifestyle. His dad was dead to him. He could do it on his own. He didn't need anybody. He didn't need his dad to tell him what to do. He knew what was best. And so he went this way. Until he realized he really needed to go that way. What's that called? He repented. He's repenting. He's not going this way anymore. He's going this way. He's going toward the Father. I'm no longer fighting. I'm no longer fighting to, 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 to follow Him. I am now going freely and I'm following and I'm repenting. I've acknowledged I'm a sinner. I've become humbled in it and now I repent and go to the Father. I've run to the Father. It says, but He arose and He came to His Father. Now, what a lot of people don't know in the church, unfortunately, because it's not taught a lot, is that this story was actually a popular story back then. Um, in fact, he, the Pharisees were sitting around listening to him tell this story. And when other Pharisees and other teachers told this story, at this point when the son comes back, he's stoned to death. He comes to the Father, and he is stoned to death. Why? Because he sinned. Because he sinned against his dad. You're dead to me. He's unclean. He's been with the pigs. He's, he's unclean. He's ceremoniously unclean. He is not allowed to go in the temple. He's not allowed to be in the presence of God. He's not allowed to do any of those things. So the only proper thing to do, according to the Pharisees and the law, is to is to stone him to death. So you got to think about the Pharisees. They're sitting there just going, yep, here it comes. That stupid little boy's about to get it. Tell him, Jesus. Tell him about it. Come on, tell him about it, Jesus. But Jesus says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran. First of all, People with money, Jewish people with money like this guy, he had a bunch of money. He had hired help. They don't run. They never ran. You come to them. That was so, that, that was humiliating. And the father didn't care. He humiliated himself. He ran. He embraced him couple of things about that. Not that long ago, he said, Dad, you're dead to me. 
But the dad said, that's my son. Not too long ago, he was in a pig pen and he was ceremoniously unclean and he should have had to go and clean up before he comes to the dad. And the dad, I don't care how filthy you are. Dad, he felt compassion. He ran, embraced him and kissed him. Now imagine this, imagine this picture. The dad in his robe and the son just in his filth. You know what they couldn't do? So in the story, remember I told you they stoned the boy, right? The servants pick up stones and they stone him and they kill him. So in the Pharisee story, the, the servants are starting to get the stones. But the father runs and he wraps his arms around him. And they couldn't see where the son was and where the father was. If they threw a stone, they could have hit the, the dad. His arms protected him. And he said, this is my son. He said, he, and the son said to him, and they, now, now he's starting to, he's, what, what, he, what he was practicing in his head. Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God and before you. He's admitting he's a sinner. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's, he's been humbled. He realizes he needs his father. But the father said to his servants. And, and, and I almost imagine that the dad interrupted him, right? Like he's going through this thing that he's practiced over and over again. And he says, Father, I, I don't deserve. No, hey, bring, bring the robe. Bring the robe. Bring me my best robe quickly. Why? Because the robe spoke of his status. And he, and he, put it on him and, and he put a ring on his hand and that ring what was it, it had that 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 um you, you've seen the movies where they, they they put the they write a letter and then they put the wax on it and then they put their seal on it and that seal was like their family crest you've seen those movies right that family crest is like this is your name this is your namesake Bring out some shoes. Why? Because the son did not go barefoot. Only the slaves did. The son gets shoes. He's saying, your status is restored. Immediately. There is restora restoration. You have been reconciled to the father. Why? Out of his grace, out of his love, and out of his mercy. Not because he earned it. Not because he did anything, not because he cleaned up his life, but because he acknowledged he was a sinner. He came to his dad. He said, Dad, I am sorry. And his dad said, no problem, son. You're back in the family. You're, you got the best robe. You know what that robe says? That means that you, are, you have your status back as my son. You didn't lose a step. You are the same way. You, you get, you get the, the ring that says that your last name is my last name. So you have my protection that no matter what happens, I've got your back. You put shoes on those feet, and you know why? Because you are my son, and my son wears shoes. You notice that he didn't say, well, go take a bath and then put this stuff on. Did he? I personally would want him to, right? I don't like being dirty. It's just me. But he said, put it on right now, quickly, quickly! Don't delay. Put the robe. Put the, put the ring. Put the shoes. Why? Because he's been restored. He is my son. 
Bring the fatted calf. Why? Because we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. We're going to drink. We're going to dance. And it's going to be awesome. And then the Baptist brother shows up. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing. Now, you got to be doing some serious dancing if they can hear you dancing. Right? Like, it's not just like... Like, they're doing some serious hardcore dancing if you can hear them dancing. And he called one of the... Instead of going in and being like, ooh, a party, let's have fun. No, he had to get all Baptist. Well, they're having too much fun. And he called one of the servants and he asked, what is, what's going on? And he said, your brother's come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. The servant's excited. He said, Guess what? Your brother's back. Guess what? He's alive. And he's been restored back into the family. And now we're having a party for him. And what does every good brother do? He got angry. He was angry and he refused to go in. I'm not going in. They're drinking and dancing. Boo. I'm against it. And then it says his father came out and entreated him. You know what entreated means? Pleaded. Begged. Again, the father is humiliating himself for this son now. The first time he ran, which was humiliating for a rich, a rich man, a rich Jewish man. And now he's having to go out to his son and he's begging him again, humiliating himself for the sake of his son. You know what he's begging him? Come inside. Come on. Have, this is great news. Let's celebrate. But he answered his father, look, these many years. I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. And you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. So first of all, the dude is like super selfish, right? Have you, did, you, did you hear all the personal pronouns? I, me, my, right? Yeah, probably right. He said, I never disobeyed your command. You sure about that, Hoss? You sure you never disobeyed Dad? Come on. You know what the biggest difference between the two brothers? The first brother was in rebellion, and this brother was steeped in religion. The first brother was rebelling and saying, God, I don't need you. I got this. This brother, God, I don't need you. I got this, and you owe me celebration. You owe me heaven. You owe it to me because I earned it on my own merit. I don't need you. I got this. Either way, they rejected the father. The young goat comment, he's basically comparing something that costs a lot. with Basically saying, you gave him a filet, and you're giving me, a, and you won't even give me a Slim Jim. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, you're going to the Brazilian steakhouse for this guy, but we're eating, but you won't even give me, like, 
gas station steak. Like what? What? That I can celebrate with my friends. But then verse 30. But when this son of yours came. Oh, now he's not your brother. Right? Who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. Sounds like he's. Sounds like he slipped into entitlement, doesn't it? It sounds like he slipped into entitlement. You, you owe me. I deserve this. And the father said to, uh, to the son, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. Again, he is trying to reconcile and restore him with the same love the same mercy and the same grace that he showed the first son. The first son was in rebellion. I welcome you back. The second son is in religion. You know, I love you and I love you the same way I love him. And you still have my grace. And guess what? The only way to the father is the same way. It says, it's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Both brothers were in their own way lost. The first brother was lost in his rebellion. The second was in his religion. The first said, I don't need God, I'll do it my way. Second, basically said the same thing. I don't need God. I'll do it my way. And then he'll have, then he'll owe it to me because then I'll deserve it. You know, on a couple, uh, last Sunday when I, when I had the opportunity to preach, I said, we're all on a, a, a um, continuum between entitlement and gratitude. And both of these sons were at that point. The first one was entitled at the beginning and then became thankful. The other one, we can hope that he came to a gratitude spot, but we aren't told. But in his religion, he was plenty entitled. The, the, the point is this. God loves both the, the rebel and the religion. And they both come to a they both come to be reconciled through Jesus Christ. And it's only through Jesus Christ. You can't earn your way. You can't. Some people feel like if they sin more, they get more grace. Well, maybe you should go ahead and just nip that in the bud, okay? And just stop and accept the grace that he has for you right now. That's how loved you are. So when we sing a song like your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. That means you can never out, you can't do enough sin that God doesn't love you. You can't be enough into yourself and be so selfish that God doesn't love you. But there's one thing you need to remember 
is that he does all of that and loves you because, because he is good, not because you're good. I don't want you to get a big head because God is for us. It's just, it's just not about us. It's for his glory. And because he is that good, that he loves us that much. So I, I hope we can all take this and say, you know, no matter what happens in life, no matter who lets us down, no matter who hurts our feelings, no matter, even if we feel like everyone has turned their back on us, God is always there. And God loves you so much more than you'll ever understand this side of heaven. And if you just, if you just got a glimpse, just, just, I wish we could all just get one tiny glimpse of how much he loves us. We would never turn our back on him again. We would never try to do it on our own again. We would never rebel and we would never rely on our own merit. We would just rest in how good and how much he loves you. And Jesus says that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So out of, out of, <clears throat> because he loves us, we love him. And because we love him, we obey him. Not because we have to, but because we really, really want to. The more, the older I get, the more I realize that the reason I obey is because I love him so much. I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm not trying to earn his favor. I've already got it. I just want to do everything I can for someone that I love that much. And that loves me so much more than I'll ever understand. God, I just thank you so much for <clears throat> this parable that you shared and how it speaks to us today. We thank you that it's because of your love and your grace and your mercy that you, you accept us just the way we are. Whether it's in our rebellion or whether it's in our religion, that God, you, you, you accept us, you, you bring us back in, you love us, and that you forgive us of our sins. That if we admit that we are sinners, that we repent and follow after you, believe in you, that you take care of the rest. And God, I pray that these students will just have a desire to know you more. God, that they will have a desire to love you more. And that they'll want to serve you. That they'll want to do exactly what you want them to do just because they love you. Not because they feel like they have to. Or it's an assignment or <laughs> duty. But because they genuinely want to love you, to honor you, to serve you in all that they do. Because you are a good, good God. We love you so much. And I pray that everything that we do will show our love and will point people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We ask these things in your name. Amen.